0: Have you ever wondered what is life? I know I have. I think about this a lot. I wonder what life is, you know, what what makes something living different than a rock. And if you ask somebody what is life, you get lots of different answers. So on today's episode of Tom SciCast, let's dive right in to what is life. Or There are other ways of asking that question. What does it mean to be living? All right, let's dive right in here. We have a sense that life is different than non-living things, right? There's something inherently different about even the most simple life form, like a cell. It's different from a rock. A tree is different from soil. And we just kind of had this intuitive feel that life is really different than something non-living. What is that? What is it that makes life so different? Yeah, I know. Like we start thinking about it. What is life? And in fact, if you were to go and ask a bunch of biologists, you know, what is life? You're going to get a lot of different answers. When I graduated with my Ph.D. a few years ago, somebody challenged me and goes, hey, uh, Tom, you you got a Ph.D. in biology, right? And I said, yeah, yeah, I just, you know, just finished. Ah, educated beyond my intelligence over here, right? And uh, I was asked, well, hey, what are those seven definitions of life or those seven characteristics of life that you've been teaching your students in those uh, introductory lab classes? And I was like, okay, um, life reproduces, life evolves. Something about energy, metabolism, movement, yeah I can't remember the other ones right i in fact, I think I'm even getting more right now than what I actually came up with you know over a decade and a half ago uh when I was asked that question I know because I've been thinking about it ever since right so i I'm probably giving myself more credit than I deserve I don't think I came up with much more than life reproduces and evolves and something about energy to be honest, but that's an interesting question you know i I taught. Uh, An AMP class in the spring in our AMP book listed seven characteristics of life. Our Freemans biology that we use for our majors course listed five characteristics of life. Like life reproduces, life uses energy and metabolism. Oh wait, I've already forgotten what they are. And ever since I thought about those, those characteristics of life, I never memorize them. They don't tell a story. They don't really do it for me. So I've had a pretty long journey trying to figure out how we would recognize life or, or identify life or be able to define something as living versus not living. And uh, I'm going to take a crack at it. Now, of course, I'm really interested in this question because I'm very interested in the search for extraterrestrial life. Over the years, I've taken this keen interest in astrobiology, and I'm just so excited that this semester, I get to teach my first class of astrobiology. And of course, if you're going to go look for life, whether that's on Mars or a moon of Jupiter like Europa or a moon of Saturn like Enceladus, you kind of have to know what you're looking for. And um, I'm not so sure those five characteristics or seven characteristics that are in our textbooks are up to the task of, uh, you know, finding life outside of the Earth. So let's start with NASA's definition. I mean, NASA, of course, you know, they got a lot of really bright people there. They've got a division of astrobiology and they are sending probes To go look for signs of life, or even life, on other bodies in our solar system. So how does NASA define life? Well, they say it is a self-sustaining chemical reaction capable of Darwinian evolution. Well, that's pretty cool, right? I mean, a self-sustaining chemical reaction capable of Darwinian evolution. That tells you a lot of things life has to have some type of chemical reactions now in the nasa definition they don't define what those chemical reactions are they just say that they're self-sustaining now interestingly they add on this capable of darwinian evolution now that tells you something that means there's some information involved with these chemical reactions probably directing their activities but that that information can be copied. And every time you copy information, there's often errors, which means you create variation in a population. Uh Uh-oh, we're setting up Darwinian evolution here. If you have variation in a population, some are better fit to the environment than others. As a result, you have this differential survivorship where some individuals that are better fit for the environment are more likely to survive more likely to reproduce and then pass on those genes to the next generation, which means you have an accumulation of favorable traits in a population over generations. That's Darwinian evolution in a nutshell. So our self-sustaining chemical reaction means it can evolve by the transmittance of some form of information and self-sustaining chemical reaction that also tells you there is almost certainly some form of energy that's being inputted into our self-sustaining chemical reaction because without a flow of energy chemical reactions will quickly reach equilibrium and they'll stop so we need some energy flow through there well that's nasa's definition and you know one of the things that i really like about nasa's definition is that it's very vague, right? I mean, what are these chemical reactions? What chemicals are involved with that? What information is being passed on from a generation to the next? How is that information being transmitted? They've left all of that vague. And I would imagine because it wouldn't corner themselves into looking for a life that looks exactly like it does on our planet. Okay, well that's NASA's definition. I think it's a good definition, but I think um, for me, I like to add a little bit more here. Okay, let's start with this. You definitely need self-sustaining chemical reactions. That tells you something about life. You need a source of energy. Energy is just so vitally important for life because it's going to uh, make all those self-sustaining chemical reactions continue whether they're cyclic or not. So that means that life is going to interact with this environment in some way to extract energy. Okay. Let's take this a little bit further. I like to think also as life as a system. Now a system is a bunch of interconnected parts. You could think of all of those self-sustaining chemical reactions, And the information directing those, you know, self-sustaining chemical reactions as a system. But systems almost always have a boundary. And that boundary separates that system from the outside world. So if we were looking at life, okay, we're looking at life. Life is a system that is, you know, got all of these self-sustaining chemical reactions that's interacting with this environment. Hmm, I know we're adding, we're making this more complicated, aren't we? Let's take this a step further. I'm going to take this from a more of a thermodynamic point of view, because at a first pass, you're like, man, how do you get life? Life just seems to violate those pesky laws of thermodynamics, right? And if you're not familiar with the laws of thermodynamics, I'll briefly sum them up right here. The laws of thermodynamics, they govern energy transformations. And because they're laws, you're not going to break them. And uh, there's four laws of thermodynamics, zero through three. And the two that were, um, that are important for life are the first one. The first law of thermodynamics says energy cannot be created nor destroyed. Now you can transfer it and you can transform it. And you're like, woohoo. Yay. We got unlimited energy. It's never going away but then there's the reality check and that is the second law of thermodynamics that's actually the pesky law of thermodynamics because it says that every time you use energy if you transform it from like light energy into potential energy or you transfer it you take the kinetic energy in your foot to a ball you are kicking that's transferring energy So every time you're using energy, transforming it or transferring it, what happens is that energy becomes degraded. It becomes less usable. So we would say that as energy gets used, we have less energy available to do work. So those are the laws of thermodynamics. You basically, you can't create nor destroy energy. You always have the same amount, but every time you use energy, some of it gets degraded as we increase entropy in the universe. So, going back to our definitions of life or thinking about life, life is using energy to sustain these chemical reactions. And another way of thinking is of this is that life is extracting energy from the environment to create order. I, I know that's wild, isn't it? But it turns out that energy flow. Through an open system, so life is clearly an open system with a constant flow of energy going through it. The life is this open system that is creating order at the level of that system or our living thing. So life, another way to think about it, is an island of low entropy. Life creates order using energy and, of course, from those chemical reactions. We're not violating the laws of thermodynamics because outside of our system, outside of that boundary, in our case, of cell membranes, if we're talking about cells outside of that, life actually speeds up entropy. So in this case, life actually is an entropy generator at the scale of the universe or the scale of a planetary body, right? That's why life works. So from this, you know, physics, thermodynamic point of view, life is a system out of equilibrium with its environment, or it is an island of low entropy. Wow. So also, don't forget, it's an open system. That's why we're not violating those laws of thermodynamics. So, wow. Uh, Self-sustaining chemical reactions. Something about Darwinian evolution. We start to paint a different picture of life than a set of five or seven characteristics to be memorized in some introductory biology class. Chemical reactions are actions. They are doing something, right? They're taking molecules, breaking them down, and building new ones all the time. So you're basically, you've got all these elements, carbon, nitrogen, hydrogen, oxygen, and you're breaking the bonds between them, and you're making new bonds, forming new molecules, and, of course, life is going to build increasingly complex molecules inside of those systems. That's doing something. Also, going back to NASA's definition of this self-sustaining chemical reaction, which we can think of are all of the chemical reactions of the metabolism of a cell as it uses energy to create order inside of that cell. But life also reproduces and evolves and the reproduction of life is basically it's copying that information to create a new organism that is incredibly important because without reproduction then life would arise as basically some form of metabolically active rock and then whenever that you know energy fluxes and nutrient fluxes through that that metabolically active rock like a hydrothermal vent when it stops With all the energy and nutrient fluxes, life would perish. So reproduction for life is incredibly important because it ensures the continuity of life. I mean, think about this. You, you know, all of us, we represent the end product, or a continuation, I should say, of nearly 4 billion years of continuous life on this planet. I know, that's wild. That means that like your great, 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 add a few billions of greats in there, grandparents were the first living cells on this planet nearly 4 billion years ago. So reproduction, this is also life doing something. It's doing something, right? And of course, that Darwinian evolution, that's just a logical consequence of life reproducing. So now we start to think of life in a very different way than like, hey, it's just these five characteristics in an intro biology text or uh, seven characteristics if you're getting a little bit more uh, defined in there with some of the a and books, right? But the question to me almost becomes not what is life, but what does life do? Think about that. It's such a subtle difference in the wording. If you ask, What is life? then you're saying or you're implying that life is a thing, life is an object. Like, I could ask you, What is a rock? What is a house? What is a mountain? What is a star? What is a planet? Those are objects. Even, What is a bird, you know, or a lizard? I can define that very easily. Yeah, birds are warm-blooded, four-chambered heart, half feathers, beak, and two legs and wings. But uh, when it comes to going, what is life? We're starting to realize it's a bit more complicated. And asking what does life do implies that life is an action. Life is a verb. Life does something. Life life is doing something. and. We have all these different ways of thinking about life. Life is an island of low entropy. Well, the reason why it can be an island of low entropy is because it is an open system with a constant flow of energy. That constant flow of energy drives those self-sustaining chemical reactions that are becoming increasingly complex, right? The chemicals are becoming increasingly complex. So the energy flow, the flux of energy through life leads to complexity And eventually the emergent properties of life. And of course, life reproduces and evolves. So life is doing all of these things. So my textbook or the textbook I used to teach from, you know, wasn't far off when it said, you know, all life has metabolism, you know, metabolism being the sum of all of our chemical reactions in our body from breaking things down, which is our catabolic reactions. So when, you know, you eat a pizza. You have to break down the complex carbohydrates into more simple carbs, and even beyond that, more simple building blocks. You take proteins, break them down into amino acids. These would be catabolic reactions. And then we take the energy from those catabolic reactions, and of course, the the, the smaller building blocks, and we have anabolic reactions where we build things up. And of course, that requires energy. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't too far off saying, you know, life requires metabolism, but now we know that metabolism is a way that life uses these self-sustaining chemical reactions extracting energy from the environment. It also means that life, no living organism, is an island isolated by itself because if you cut life off from energy, eventually it will die. Now, that being said, we have discovered bacteria living in like the most extreme low energy environment you could possibly imagine, like miles under ice or buried in rock, you know, a kilometer below the sea, be, below the sea bottom. Incredibly low energy systems, you know, where they're like 750,000 years old, maybe even a million years old, just eking out a living. And these bacteria aren't dormant. Oh no, they're, they're maintaining their DNA. There's some low level metabolism there maintaining those cells, maintaining their DNA. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. So, what is life or what does life do? Have we got a simple definition? Uh, the simplest definition we go back to NASA, a set of self sustaining chemical reactions capable of Darwinian evolution. But like I said, the other ways to think about life, it's an island of low entropy, an entropy generator. We could think of life as extracting energy from the environment to create order. And you're probably going, well, I was looking for something something simple. And I'm going to throw in one more here. Life is a system out of equilibrium with this environment. I know that's a nice chemistry definition, right? We got the we got physics and chemistry. Whoa, physics and chemistry forming the basis of life, of biology? Man, that must really make biology the apex science. You know, I I get a little uh, into this because when I was an undergraduate, my chemistry book was called The Central Science. I don't disagree with that. I've heard physics books called Foundational Science. Well, yeah they do form the bedrock of biology. So that makes us the apex science. So I digress. Getting back to it, life is a system out of equilibrium with its environment. Out of equilibrium. And that being out of equilibrium means that it's got all these metabolic reactions, self-sustaining chemical reactions, that are creating order by extracting energy from the environment and because life is an open system with that flux of energy coming through it, it's able to generate that order, that lower entropy, without violating the laws of thermodynamics. Wait, I bet you were looking for a simple answer of what is life when you started this. It's not so simple, is it? There's there's all these different ways of thinking about life, and uh, I think they're all correct but that paints a very broad picture of living things. It's hard to like come up with a very short definition because even the NASA definition, in my opinion, leaves out the system part of it. It just says self-sustaining chemical reactions that are capable of Darwinian evolution. I would argue very strongly that those self-sustaining chemical reactions must be a system. And by default, if you're... You know, if you're the self-sustaining chemical reaction inside of a system, meaning you have a boundary, you're going to be an island of low entropy. You're going to reduce entropy at the level of the organism and you're going to be out of equilibrium, which means that, you know, what's going on in the the organism is going to be much more ordered than outside of it. And uh, I've always heard people say, hey, man, you want to be in equilibrium with your environment. And the answer is life never wants to be in equilibrium with this environment. You'd be dead. And in fact, it's that cutting, uh, cutting life off from energy leads to death, the exact opposite of living, right? Death is the slow decay toward equilibrium. So, you know, I started off earlier, I said, you know, a rock, in life, a living thing are very different from each other. And uh, you even go back hundreds of years. People thought that living things were so different than non-living things. They even developed this idea of the vital force or vitalism. Actually, sounds like the force to me from Star Wars. You know, it's this energy field created by life. Actually, life does create energy fields. Life has to maintain energy fields across their membranes, actually. It's in the electrochemical gradients. But we've, we've disproved vitalism, but we now know that life are these complex systems. Okay, let's add another layer here. I keep adding layers of complexity just when you think I'm done. Life is also an emergent property of a complex system. An emergent property so emergent properties are this concept that you have increasing complexity or novel so emergent properties are you get novel properties new characteristics at each level of complexity so think about it this way if you think about the 92 elements each of those 92 elements has unique chemical properties now, all of those ninety-two elements are made up of just three subatomic particles protons, neutrons, and electrons. And the number of protons, of course, determines your your element. And elements, of course, are atoms. Then we can take different elements, like we can take hydrogen and oxygen, two gases, stick them together, and you have water, a liquid at room temperature. Or you can take Sodium and chlorine. Sodium is this wild metal that you put in water, it catches on fire. Chlorine is a gas. You don't want to breathe it. It will kill you. Put the two together, you get table salt. That is emergent properties. And every time we create more complex molecules, get more metabolism going on, right, building up complexity, we can now also state that life or something that is living is an emergent property. Of a complex system i know we we, we get all these d- different ways of looking at life now from nasa's definition of dare i say it again a set of self-sustaining chemical reactions capable of darwinian evolution and if you have these self-sustaining chemical reactions like i said we add the the, the system level to it we add a barrier to it and then is that inside that system that all these chemical reactions take place that life emerges as this you know emergent property this complex system one more thing about emergent properties you might not be able to predict an emergent property just because you know everything about all the components so even the most basic cell the simplest cell simple prokaryotic cell is still incredibly complex So, even though we know everything you want to know about pyruvate, acetic acid, or glucose, or a phospholipid bilayer, which forms a cell membrane, or the DNA, or the proteins, all of those things working together still creates these emergent properties. And it's from that that life emerges. So, I've probably confused you even more about what is life. But before I end, maybe I've changed your way of thinking about life and made you realize also that it's hard. No two people agree on this. No two people agree, but there's different ways of thinking about it much beyond the list of simple characteristics that you might read. So life is a system out of equilibrium with this environment. Life is an island of low entropy. Life uses energy to create order life is an emergent property of a complex system. And lastly, I'm going to leave you with this. Life is an action. Life does something. Life uses energy to create order. And then to ensure the continuity of life, it has to reproduce the information that's directing all of those self-sustaining chemical reactions. Thank you, NASA, for that one. And because you're reproducing and you're passing on information from one generation to the next, by default, you're going to get Darwinian evolution. I know. Now you're probably going, wait a second, what if things don't change over time? Then you actually have stabilizing selection and that is still a form of Darwinian evolution. You're just not changing. I know evolution is changing species over time, but you can actually have stabilizing selection, keeping the population the same, but there's still natural selection acting on that population. Okay. Well, that's it for today on what is life. But now I hope you start thinking about what life does, that life is an action and you never want to be in equilibrium with your environment too. Okay. Well, this has been another episode of Tom SciCast. And until next time, stay curious. Okay, I'm back. Uh, You know, all these podcasts that I read have all these producers, writers, engineers. So let me go over everybody that's helped me with this podcast. Thanks to my wife, she took the kids up to a pumpkin patch. So there's nobody in the house right now while I, I narrate my podcast. I wrote it, produced it, narrated it edited it. So, yeah. So I written and produced and narrated by Tom Kennedy. I think that's all of it. Oh, engineered as well. I Thank you, Adobe Audition, for this. Okay. Until next time, Tom SciCast. And as always, stay curious.